However, if you want to achieve something very fast and see it implemented as a national app or anything tech-related, then Asia is definitely the place to be. Um, first of all, the countries are a lot smaller. Second of all, the government is actually here to help build and implement. So mm -hmm. we've seen it too many times in Europe where app ideas just don't take off because they, they hit that, that roof of it's not going to happen in real life. Well, Singapore for one, Hong Kong also will implement good ideas from one day to the next. Welcome to the Grow Beyond podcast, a podcast devoted to international working experience. At Grow Beyond, we facilitate global career starts and help people to grow beyond their comfort zone. In this podcast, we interview young people that have built an international career on the steps they took, the challenges they faced and the lessons they've learned. They share tips and tricks and insights on their industries and countries they are working in. We are showcasing international opportunities and highlight how finding work abroad might advance a career faster than staying in your comfort zone. Let's get ready to grow. You are listening to the Grow Beyond podcast, episode one. Welcome. Today we are talking to Kareem Rafa. Kareem has a very international background in itself. His mother is German, his father is Egyptian, but he was born in the UK and then mainly raised in Switzerland and France. This already gives him a background with four different languages. He studied business and finance in France and the UK and then mainly worked in finance and tech with startups all over the world. With no further ado, here's Kareem. Okay, great. Here we go. So I'm so excited to welcome Kareem Ruffer from Singapore today on our first Grow Beyond podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Kareem. My pleasure. <laughs> um, first of all, I'd like to start off and um, tell you a little bit about your background and your international career, where you've been so far and what you have been doing. So just tell us a little bit about the countries you've been living in so far, where you've been working, what you've been doing there. Give us a little bit of an impression of your international background. Oh, sorry. Sure, of course. Um, so a bit of a complicated story, really. Um, I started my university studies in France. Um, from there was a bit of a 50-50 program. So half of it was in the UK, half of it in France. Um, my Uh, studied business administration, uh, moved to Nottingham in the UK after that. Um, quite quickly after my, uh, my, my degree, I did a master's degree as well at the University of East London in financial management with a focus on forecasting effects rates and artificial neural networks and landed a very rapid job after that in London, uh, mostly in brokerage and front office roles. Uh, that lasted for about two years, give or take, um, after which I got an interesting job offer to move to Singapore as a financial advisory. Um, I did that for a while, then moved into a data analytics and curation company, a very small startup, which also introduced me to the startup scene here in Singapore. Worked with them in Hong Kong, Singapore, Bangkok, with our tech based in India. And that brings us pretty close to today, really. Now I'm working with quite a few startups here, doing some consultancy, some advisory, and some relationship brokerage. Super international. Thank you so much for giving that interest. <laughs> so you already mentioned uh, your studies, which were in finance mainly. How did it help you? Did you see a very close relation? How did it help you to proceed in your career? What you actually did in university? So there was a bit of... Um, 
let's say, discord between what I studied and what I ended up doing. Um, when I started studying uh, international business, I wasn't really that sure as to what I wanted to do after, but I was always very much drawn to the whole financial aspect. Uh, doing a master's in financial management, I kind of figured I'd do this and start working in a hedge fund or a bank. And once I left that, uh, what left, that's, I got my master's degree, pretty good grade, I must say, um, started going to interviews, started talking to a few banks, hedge funds, brokerages, and whatnot. And they quite quickly realized that with my language skill and the fact that I wasn't too shy to talk, um, I ended up in front office roles very quickly. So anything client-facing, including a few, uh, a few call centers, I'm ashamed to say. But um, those, those roles make you hard. For sure, that's um, true. So you mentioned your language skills there. How many languages do you actually speak? So my mother is German, my father is Egyptian, I was born in the UK, lived in France, Switzerland, uh, spent a lot of time in Egypt as well, and that makes me fluent in English, French, German, I speak a pretty good Arabic, and I picked up quite a lot of Spanish on the way as well. Wonderful. So you actually figured out as well after university that your language skills were a key asset that pushed you maybe also in different directions you weren't um, planning on, but it definitely helped you proceed, right? It helped me proceed in the beginning, but mm. in the end, I kind of ended up in Asia, the one place in the world where no one speaks the language <laughs> that I can speak. Yeah. So, so um, how did, it, how it did definitely help. How does it work there now in your job? How, how is that with the languages? Do you speak mainly English or how does it work? So I speak mostly English with, uh, with clients based here and also it's always... Uh, If you find a German speaker in another company or as a partner or whichever else, he's usually the only one in his company too. So there's not many occasions on which you can speak um, that particular language. Um, but yeah, no, I'd say English is, is definitely uh, is the thing where I speak the most here. Excellent. So going back to, you already talked how um, university, what role it played in your career start. Did you undertake any extracurricular activities? Were you part of a society during university? Was there something you said I actually did during my preparation um, for, for the working world that helped me then enter um, into my first career step? Um, I think most of the preparation was really for me. I think... Um, Extracurricular activities always look very good on a CV, but I haven't really found employers that are that keen to know that you are head of whichever society in your university. Mm -hmm. I think that's somewhat overrated. Personally, um, I used to row at Nottingham Trent, okay. uh, so rowing crew, um, which was more than anything cold, wet mornings uh, three times a week. <laughs> yeah. um, and when I was in my master's degree, I was actually a TA, so a teacher's assistant, um, For, uh, for one of my favorite lectures, actually. Okay. And um, he, he, was, he was very cool and let me kind of take over a couple of courses. So I taught data, um, sorry, data mining mm -hmm. and data analytics on Bloomberg terminals to, uh, to undergrads whilst I was doing master's degree and, and even got paid, actually, <laughs> to, okay. uh, to be a TA. That is also and always a good part, yeah, <laughs> true. So you... it, it, is, it is a good part, but more than anything else, I think it did give me a lot of confidence to stand in front of people. And mm -hmm. well, I did teach what, over four hours a week. Okay. Um, so it, it, it's more of a personal, personal achievement or personal development than a, than a CV booster, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> so is that something as well that you would recommend to, what would you tell people? Would you say, look, look into something where you, where you can strengthen your skills, skills you will need and whatever that might be, like you said, speaking in front of people, that was something that helped you or what would your, what would your advice be on that? 
Um, I definitely say do something you like to do, first of all, because if you do enjoy it, then you'll excel at it in the end, regardless. I know it sounds cliche, but it's mm -hmm. true. Um, I'd also say strengthen your relationship with your lecturers. They mm -hmm. are the ones that have power over you in the end, and it doesn't matter what grades you get, trust me. Mm. <laughs> okay, and um, so after university, after you graduated, how did you actually land your first job? How did that work out? Um, so I actually landed my first job before I finished, um, before I graduated from, from my postgrad. So my first job, my first job after university, obviously, mm -hmm. I landed before before I finished uh, my studies, mm -hmm. um, which was with a brokerage um, that offered um, over-the-counter uh, derivatives, mostly to retail clients, and also a B2B initiative where they offer market access to uh, money managers. Mm -hmm. um, it was an interesting role. It was mostly hard sales, um, but... Uh, What really got me that job, I think, was the fact that I could speak the languages. So they put me in charge of their um, <laughs> most of their European desks, actually. So I think I took over three jobs for them, and they only paid me for one. Um, <laughs> you, you learned so how to I, negotiate I, later on, I suppose. <laughs> I, I probably did. I didn't realize what you know working 14 hours a day meant mm. until it really happened. <laughs> mm. But um, like they say nowadays, dreaming of a 50-hour week. Mm -hmm. yeah. it was um it was it was hard but it was it was definitely a lot of fun and you mainly got into that role how how what was the key thing that got you into that first position i actually just went on a frenzy looking for work when i was when i was living in london so all things in terms of job posting sites i, I worked my network asked people that knew people Although, to be entirely honest, back then, in retrospect, my network wasn't quite as strong as it is today, and mm. I'm not surprised that I didn't find that much through referrals. Mm. Um, my university helped me a bit, but not as much as uh, not as much as I'd have hoped, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> and what would you say, so these first, obviously there were different steps now already in your career, but what would you say was always, is there a pattern, what was the most important? Was it networks? Was it something that you say, this actually helped me um, climb the ladder? and get through the different steps in my career? I definitely say it's network. Um, after my first job in London, every other job that I've had since then was referral-based. So it's always been through people that knew people that knew me. Mm -hmm. And just closing the, uh, the, the good old motto of everyone's only seven degrees of separations away, the idea is mm -hmm. also bring that down to two. So everyone knows someone mm -hmm. that knows someone. Sure. And of course, you're very international. You have such an international background and you lived already in so many different countries before even graduating from university. But what took you eventually to Asia? Because I think in your earlier life, there was not really a connection to Asia. So what happened? What took you to, to that side of the world? So um, Asia was on a referral as well. Um, uh, friends of friends had, um, had a company here, but it was a law firm at the time. Or was were working for a law firm, and I was a bit tired of the whole London London rat race grind, and fired out my CV to pretty much everyone I knew, and I mean absolutely everyone. So people I hadn't talked to in years, and these were some of them, and they actually did forward my CV to a financial advisory company, which was relatively in line with what I was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. And one day I just got the email saying opportunities in Singapore as a tagline, and asking me if I had time for a Skype call. And I was very close to just putting into my spam folder just, <laughs> just from the tag. <laughs> But uh, anyway, the curiosity bit me and I, I gave it a go. And they said, hey, we'll relocate you to Singapore. 
um, this is the job, this is the salary, you get rent for free for what three to six months and a plane ticket and worst case scenario, you get a plane ticket back if it doesn't work out either. Wow. And I figured if I don't do it, then I'm going to hate myself forever because I won't know what happened. So I just kind of dropped everything and left and came to Singapore without ever having been here. I actually was only in Southeast Asia once before that. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, and so now you've been working in Singapore and also in other Asian locations or where are you mainly based? So I'm mainly based in Singapore. I've done a lot of work in Hong Kong as well. Um, I was based out of Bangkok while working for um, with headquarters in Singapore and Hong Kong with a development team in India. So if you take a look at the map, geographically, it made the most sense to live in Bangkok. It was kind of closer to everything mm -hmm. and definitely a lot cheaper than any other, any other country that pays you a startup salary. <laughs> That's true. So looking back, I mean, you worked in um, Europe, in London and now in Asia. What would you say, especially for people that are interested in tech and finance, what are the advantages of this side of the world or what would you, what would you say in comparison um, in comparison, if you like the comfortable way of life of slow progression of social security nets and of general comfort, then you can stay in, in Europe, I guess. Mm -hmm. However, if you want to achieve something very fast and see it implemented as a national app or anything tech related, then Asia is definitely the place to be. Um, first of all, the countries are a lot smaller. Second of all, the government is actually here to help build and implement. So mm -hmm. we've seen it too many times in Europe where app ideas just don't take off because they, they hit that, that roof of it's not going to happen in real life. Well, Singapore for one, Hong Kong also will implement good ideas from one day to the next. Um, there's a lot of regulatory body and government body relationships behind that, but mostly it's because they have a very well integrated system with a lot less red tape. Interesting. So if someone is interested in a career that area, you would always recommend to go to Asia and check it out and see what's happening in the, in the fast-paced environment? I definitely say check out the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend anyone to mm -hmm. have a great idea or be very career-hungry and mm -hmm. just focus geographically on where they are. Mm -hmm. um, doing the same exact thing somewhere else can lead you a lot further, a lot faster mm -hmm. uh, than, than staying put where you are. You never know and you won't know if you don't check it out. Check it out. That's true. So, um, yeah, is there some advice you would have um, if you look back as well, maybe to your 20-year-old self when you were in university? Is there anything you would say, um, I wish I would have known back then? I'd say, <laughs> I'd say focus on practical skills. Mm -hmm. um, the one regret I've had a lot is that, um, I mean, personally, a lot of my skills after university that I've, that I've accumulated, or even during university, are mostly theoretical or uh, soft skills. Mm -hmm. So knowing how to present, for example, would be a soft skill, but learning how to code in a certain language or learning how to fix a sink, those are hard skills. Mm. Right? Um, I'd definitely say focus on hard skills, things that you can apply, and uh, skills that are required. Yeah. So make sure you take a look at what's going on in the in, in the, the general ecosystem worldwide or locally where you are and take a look at which jobs are being replaced, which jobs are hiring more, which jobs have high, increased in hiring growth and so on. Mm. Uh, many people want to be account don't want to be accountants, become accountants because they think it's a secure job. But nowadays those jobs are disappearing because they're being replaced by software. Mm. And it's a... Uh, 
it's not necessarily the best example there is, but you know, software isn't going to replace your sink. And I'm not saying become a plumber, but it's a good skill to have. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, so talking about that, what do you think? Um, so which industry are you in right now? What would you say? You work in tech, you work with startups. What are you actually doing? What is what is your current role? So, so I'm in fintech to, to stick to the mm -hmm. buzzwords. I work in fintech and I'd say that my current role is I'm an implementation consultant and a relationship broker, mm -hmm. which is a fancy way of saying that I leverage my uh, my network to help startups grow from anything from a, a, a pre-concept idea to a, a pre-MV, a minimal viable product idea okay. or even after that. And in, in this industry, in this environment, what do you think are employers or people you work with, what are they most looking for? What what should students or people are thinking about entering a career in that area soon? What should they work on or what should they pay attention to? Um, I'd, I'd break it down into two subgroups. I'd say you can, if you have a lot of very good hard skills and you're a computer guy and you can code different uh, uh, different programming languages, then if you're very good at what you do, you will get a job pretty much anywhere. But you have to be the best or you have to be the best in the area you're in geographically. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, we have very hungry people, I'd say. And hungry people are going to get jobs based on the fact that they're motivated, they want more. And if they don't know how to do it, then they'll learn or they'll make mistakes and they'll make up for those mistakes. And I'd say those are the two subgroups um, that, that people are looking for, that people are hiring, really. Yeah. So no one has, no one really wants to hire the guy that's kind of good at his job but has a bit of motivation it's uh, either very motivated or very good at what they do or you know very good at both <laughs> mm. cool thank you for sharing that and then um yeah i would like to to finish with um yeah some insights from from yourself about what actually was the most valuable things you learned from working abroad you talked about the differences between europe and asia for example but what were insights where you really said this really sets me apart from the rest or that was something that was really an invaluable insight and a thing i learned from from going overseas um, I don't think I've ever valued my my network and my connections as much as I ha as much as I have since I moved to um to Asia or moved as far away from what we can call call home. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, you build a circle professionally and even socially, which in the end becomes your support system. So if anything from you're having a bad day to you need something some help at work we need to be introduced to someone it's definitely uh, build bridges and never burn bridges no matter how bad mm. relationships get don't burn bridges that's my one piece of advice mm. for anyone mm. you never know when that person that you thought was useless in, in university might actually be the next the guy that you really need to talk to to yeah. to close a deal to land a job to whatever else you never know Yeah, and also this building networks early on. I mean, I often see this as well working in universities. Like you're already surrounded by so many people. You mentioned the lecturers, um, your peers, people you, you study with. They're they all your network. And I think building it early on and, and establishing these relationships is so important, right? It really is, yeah. In, in, invaluable, I'd say. Uh, but it's, 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 it's easy to lose sight of... of um, of what potential can be gained. And I think that a lot of us, are, including myself at the time, are a bit too uh, too self-confident, possibly, for the university students that we were, thinking that we are the best and we're unique and so on. But in the mm. end, when it comes down to it, you, we all need help at some point. And, mm. 
Okay. And yeah, place value onto people that possibly can. Yeah. And is there actually, um, can you think of a very tough experience you had working abroad and how that maybe made you grow as well or challenged your thinking? Was there something where you said that was a really tough period I went, I went through working abroad in a different environment? So um, I think this is a piece or this is a, a note that you'll, you'll see on pretty much every single blog post or every, every single uh, piece that's written about moving abroad or traveling or whichever else is um, you'll spend a lot of time by yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a comfort zone where you are now and you see friends, you have family close by, and if you're feeling down, then you can call someone and see them or get a hug or whichever else. When you first move abroad to a country where you know no one or don't speak the language, you're going to spend time alone. Mm. That's it. Can be hard. It can be troublesome, and above anything else, it's lonely. To be entirely honest, um, that was probably my hardest. Uh, my hardest experience. My first move to Singapore, or actually to Asia at all. I didn't know anyone here, um, and I guess building up a network from nothing isn't the easiest thing to do. And I mean, not a network just professionally, but even socially. It's mm. um, how do it's you manage? How did you manage to do that? I took the typical expat route and uh, joined all of the societies. So in my case, thanks to my international background, I was part of the German um, Chamber of Commerce. They organize mm -hmm. events. The French Chamber of Commerce they also organize events. Uh, the English one too. There's mm -hmm. no Egyptian Chamber of Commerce here, but if there was, I'd probably be part of that as well. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And that, and I guess you can always pick up sporting events and so on. I mean, the idea is just to find common interests. And if you're alone, trust me, other people are alone too or were alone too. And usually in places as far away, um, people are very welcoming, I feel. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, very interesting. So um, finally, to, to finish off, is there something if um, students are interested in, to work in tech, in fintech, in Asia, in Singapore, in Bangkok destinations you have been to, where would you say is the best place to look for jobs, to look for insights? Are there websites or online magazines you would recommend to have a look at or some interesting blog posts to follow to see what's, what's going on in the region and where there are potential jobs? job opportunities as well um so i've been very startup centered in the last couple mm -hmm. of years so with that in mind i'd recommend angel list to pretty much anyone mm -hmm. um otherwise to keep in to stay on top of everything news business insider is always a very good review so they have um They have local uh, local web posts for everything. So Business Insider Singapore gives you a lot of insight on what's going on here, including which companies are hiring and firing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, I guess social media is always good. So Facebook groups, uh, Twitter gives me a lot of my news insights uh, worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, Do you lose yeah. LinkedIn a lot over there as well? or? I do use LinkedIn a lot, actually, not so much for uh, for the HR than in the past, so for hiring and such. Um, but LinkedIn is your virtual business card. So if you tell someone your name and just give them your phone number and they are actually interested in keeping on talking to you, they will find you on LinkedIn. And I feel most people in Southeast Asia do the same. It seems to be the professional social network. 
it's uh, less less creepy than adding someone on Facebook that you just met at a networking event. Sure. <laughs> Great. Kareem, thank you so much for joining us um, this morning, your afternoon in Singapore. And um, yeah, we are very much looking forward to keeping you on the Grow Beyond Network as well. And if there's anyone listening to this podcast that has more questions or thoughts and of course as well feedback, um, we're always excited to hear it and of course pass it on to you and keep seeing your insights on Grow Beyond as well and, and keep following your path through Asia. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, and I'm happy to be the first. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you, Rona. <laughs> thank you so much, Kareem. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed these insights and are ready to grow beyond. If you have any questions or feedback, please head to www.growbeyond.com, beyond spelled with you because it's all about you, or email rona at growbeyond.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. All info is also in the description of this podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Let's grow. I'm Rona. Thank you for listening. Thank you.